1: Your nutrition can make a huge impact um, as to how you handle the menopause changes, that you can dramatically lower your inflammatory levels. Um, Our students are talking about how they're sleeping better, the brain fog is better simply by changing what they're eating and how they're eating it. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health-conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now on to the show.
0: Okay, it's it's time to get jazzed. Get your jazz hands out because today is the official launch of The Women's Health Flash Briefing. And some of you would say, cool. And some of you would say, what the heck is a flash briefing? Well, do you know Alexa? Alexa, what's the temperature? Alexa, what's the weather going to be this week? Alexa, tell me a joke. Alexa, that little device that Amazon sells you that's getting equipped in cars and will is projected to be as common as a household TV. So Alexa has these flash briefings or skills. So you can have it do a lot of things, but ours gives you one to two minutes of high value packed women's health stuff. Just this week, we have what it looks like to have a hormone imbalance, what pieces go into that, what it looks like, if you want to get testing from your primary care provider, if you think you have a hormone imbalance, what to not forget to get from your doctor if you think you have a hormone imbalance regarding testing, what it looks like if you have a blood sugar imbalance and you're hangry. So really great stuff. I am stoked about it. We will have, I will remind you a few more times. Don't worry. So go to your Alexa, say to her, Alexa, add the Women's Health Minute Flash Briefing. And that's it. So Enjoy. And if you subscribe, tell me. I would love to hear it. Go to lessdressedlife.com and click on the widget for SpeakPipe and drop me a voicemail. Talk to you soon. Okay. Today on The Less Stress Life, we have Dr. Mary Claire Haver, who is a board-certified OBGYN. Dr. Haver has delivered thousands of babies, completed thousands of well woman exams, counseled patients, and taught residents, and did everything that an academic professor and OBGYN could do. But as her patient population aged... She was overwhelmed with the number of complaints and concerns her patients had with weight gain while going through menopause. For years, she told her patients to eat less and exercise more. It wasn't until she, too, experienced the same changes at menopause when she realized that this advice simply doesn't work. Dr. Mary Claire Haver is the founder and creator of The Galveston Diet, the first and only nutrition program in the world created by a female OBGYN designed for women in menopause. The Galveston Diet is dedicated to helping women reach their health and wellness goals through an anti-inflammatory approach to nutrition, something we like to talk about a lot on The Less Stress Life. Welcome to the
1: show. Thank you.
0: So we were chatting a little off air and we were talking about just some background of the Galveston Diet and whatnot. So I think that's a great place to um, to maybe start is with your story, because unfortunately your story is a lot like a lot of other people's story, which is why, you know, when we read about it, we just immediately resonate, right? Because, um, a lot of people are feeling it in a similar way you were. So tell us a little bit about your story and kind of what led you here.
1: When I started practicing medicine, I went into a traditional OB-GYN busy clinic practice and I sat across from thousands of women and I was in my late twenties, thirties at the time. And, um, would occasionally have the patient who was approaching menopause. I tended to age with my patients, but when I would hear them talk about, you know, Dr. Haver, I don't understand what's happening. I'm doing the same things. I'm, you know, really eating healthy. I'm working out. And all of a sudden, as I'm going through menopause, I've got this 15 pound tire around my midsection and I cannot get rid of it. And I just started hearing it over and over and over and over again. And I I did what I was taught. I I really had very little nutrition training in medical school, none really. And I would just pat them on the knee and kind of, you know, just say, well, you're probably not working out hard enough. And are you really tracking your calories? Are you really, really paying attention to these things? And I feel like a hypocrite because when it happened to me, (laughs) I realized I just sat there in shock and I thought, oh my gosh, I have sat across from these women and and did what I was taught, but I basically was telling them something that makes zero sense and doesn't work. And I felt terrible and I'm like, I've got to fix this. So I started researching. And here we are. (laughs) Here we are. So I, at the time, worked at a large academic institution and we have, um, at the time we had a amazing, um, nutrition department. So I marched down there. I delivered several of those babies and taking care of many of the faculty. So I marched in, I'm like, what is happening? And they laughed and said, Oh, you know, it's kind of normal. I said, normal as in lots of people do it or normal as in there's nothing we can do about it. And they said, Oh no, 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 you can do stuff about it. So they pointed me to studies there's not that many that were specifically done for women our age in this midlife transition, mostly done on the elderly or 25-year-old male athletes. And so I said, okay, let me take this data and let's meet in the middle somewhere and let me look at these concepts, do do a deeper dive. And what kept coming up time and time again was inflammation, 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 and how nutrition fits into that. And I was like, okay, this is where I'm gonna start. I'm gonna focus on What we know scientifically is real ways to fight chronic inflammation, not acute, of course. Um, Chronic inflammation simply due to aging, simply due to menopause. And what nutritional changes can we make to help fight that? And when I took those principles and put them into practice, it was literally like magic for my students who decided to jump into the program. Mm
0: -hmm. So let's go back and talk about what specifically happens In the body, when we are transitioning to perimenopause, which is the phase before menopause, kind of when this is, like, give us the lay of the land maybe first. When does this happen? How long does it last? And then let's talk about what's going on in the body.
1: Sure. So uh, the menopause transition can affect a woman anywhere from her late 40s into her, excuse me, her late 30s into her 40s. The average age of actual menopause, which by medical definition is the cessation of your periods for over a year. That average age is 51, which is my age right now. <laughs> and, um, but the process of the ovary shutting down starts late 30s to early 40s, so you will start having these hormonal fluctuations and changes you know, for seven years is the average before you actually get to the ending period of menopause. At the same time, we're also going through a natural aging process that has nothing to do with menopause. You know, Us, men and women, go through it together. So when we look at what's happening as far as inflammation goes, the best way I've seen it explained is something called the perfect storm. And there's three components to that. Number one is simple aging. And it's the natural breakdown of cellular function over time. We expect it. No one expects to live forever. It's just part of being a human being. However, and here's what I learned in my studies, is that process is exquisitely sensitive to what nutrition you put in your body. That's the kind of the missing piece I didn't realize. And when you look at a traditional Western diet or standard American diet, depending on how you call it, it is filled with things that cause tremendous amounts of chronic inflammation on a daily basis. So the second component of the perfect storm for women um, specifically is the menopause change. And lo and behold, when you look at blood tests that measure inflammation done on women pre, during, and post menopause, those inflammatory markers start rising and go up dramatically through the end of the menopause transition. So just being menopausal causes inflammation outside of aging. The third thing is that when you're dealing with inflammation, we start weight gain is a side effect of inflammation. And specifically weight gain around our midsection. And when we have that centripetal obesity, that, that, that tire, that forms that was not there before, that those fat cells themselves become an endocrine organ and pump out more inflammatory hormones. So you've got these three things putting you into a negative feedback cycle, like this vortex starts spinning. And, you know, here we are trying to continue to raise our families, deal with teenagers, aging parents, everything going on at this stage of our lives. You know, some people are like having that bonus baby, You know, so now you've got a a kindergartner at 45 and all of these life stresses and changes that are particular to women our age, plus things that we never thought that we could control, but it turns out we can control a lot of it. We just didn't know how before.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a great point. I want to go back a little bit to kind of some of the transition and some of the other. We're talking about weight gain or this tire as sort of like a big symptom that, is really glaring at people. And I think people sometimes attribute that, sim- that particular symptom to the other symptoms they're having. But what are some other common symptoms people start to see or feel as this onsets? Sure.
1: Um, well, for women specifically, as we start going through the changes associated with uh, menopause, we will see uh hot flashes is one of the most common. About 80 percent of women will experience these hot flushes and we call them night sweats. They do happen at night, but they can happen anytime during the day. Um, but sometimes during the day we're so busy, we don't notice them as much. But at night, they, they quite often can wake us up and it will cause disrupted sleep. <clears throat> Which in and of itself, if you're not getting adequate sleep, that's leading to more you know stress inflammation, etc. Another thing that happens is uh, your mental status. I mean people aren't thinking as clear. Um, and we think it's because of the inflammation. Um, they're having more brain fog. They're struggling to remember, you know, what, where was I going? What was I doing? And we see that a lot more in menopause. We also see some emotional changes. Women, you know, you're not sleeping well. You're having these weird hot flushes. You're gaining weight. All of that kind of feeds into this change in emotional status. We see more depression, more anxiety, um, as, as well as Like I talked about before, the life changes that tend to go on at this age as well, leading to more um, psychiatric issues as well.
0: Okay. Got it. So this varies for different people, right? Like some people say, hey, my transition into menopause was actually quite smooth. And others would say, this is like hell. And so why is it a little bit different for different people?
1: Um... Some of it probably, some of it is genetic for sure. You know, if your mom kind of sailed through it, you've got a pretty good chance that you might sail through it as well. However, here's what we've learned um, through our research is that your nutrition can make a huge impact um, as to how you handle the menopause changes, that you can dramatically lower your inflammatory levels. Um, Our students are talking about how they're sleeping better. The brain fog is better simply by changing what they're eating and how they're eating it.
0: Yeah, that's, those are always fun stories to hear. So, you know, you mentioned earlier in The Perfect Storm talking about not only the aging process of cells, which I'd like to touch a little bit more on, and then the process of menopause itself. So the the ups and downs or the fluctuations that are happening in hormones that are new or different sort of. So let's talk about what's going on and kind of where hormones are coming from, from the ovaries, then transitioning to the adrenal glands. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's get familiar with those hormones maybe first. So we've got estrogen, progesterone, DHEA. What else? Like, let's talk about those and how you like to think about those and uh- how they fit in.
1: Well, there's um, estrogen, there's a little bit of testosterone, um, there's progesterone. Mm-hmm. Estrogen and progesterone mm-hmm. are predominantly, before the menopause transition, um, produced in the ovary. And you have DHEA, which is produced in the adrenal gland. Um, <clears throat> I don't, haven't done a lot of research on adrenopause, you know, when we talk about what changes happen with the adrenal glands, but I've got the ovaries on lockdown. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and they don't just shut down overnight. It is a very, it's like a, a, an old car jalopy. If I'm dating myself here. Yeah. <laughs> I am 51. But, you know, a, a really old car that is on its last leg it doesn't just kind of die. You tend to get this sputtering, da, 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 and then you know it, it'll it'll run okay for a little while, and then you'll hit a bump, and it'll you know kind of spaz for a little while, but it doesn't quite die, and you'll get another burst of you know energy out of the car. And the ovaries are the same, um, where the overall trend is down as far as the amount of hormones that we're producing, but it doesn't happen overnight. Hence, we get this seven to eight year you know transition phase.
0: Mhm. So, you know what I think about when we we're talking about the normal stresses you were talking about, I loved the bonus baby and kind of how we're sort of just kind of trying to carry on, but other things are going on in our body that some, sometimes we're not always paying attention to. But if I think about the importance of DHEA and how that's coming from adrenal and when we're we're seeing the shift of how hormones are produced from Like the the ovaries are kind of saying I'm done having babies now and now we're going to move into a different phase of life. Um, And then the adrenals come in and take a little bit more of the work. I think that we're not always giving as much credit to, like, okay, so if we've already got a, an overscheduled life, let's call right. it that because that's easier to say than stress. Um, so if we've already got a really overscheduled life and then we're go- entering this phase where, by the way, our body actually needs to utilize our organ that is our organs that are so much, um, that are well known for their stress resilience or stress response, then I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're not really serving ourselves. I guess, so how often do you see stress as like a big piece of how significant symptoms are. And then the challenge is, is that it then fuels what gets me is that people become so stressed out by their
1: weight gain in, um, as they move into menopause that it's like a double-edged sword. Exactly. Like I talked about the vortex, you're just feeding back into it and our adrenals are stressed are overworked (laughs) besides being overscheduled. Our adrenals are overworked because they are picking up the slack and cortisol is the end product of, you know, that's our stress hormone. But, you know, again, cortisol, too much of it can lead to elevated blood sugars. I mean, all of it feeds into each other. Nothing is separate. So when you try to tease out how much of it is stress, how much, I, I think you just get into this crazy traffic circle where things are flying around so fast. But the good news is that, it looks like that traffic circle can slow down quite a bit just with nutritional changes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, I, I want to talk about the nutritional changes. But before we leave hormones, I think it's easy to say, like, what about the role of hormone replacement therapy? So my body doesn't want to make these things anymore, so I'm just going to go take them. Talk to us about that because that's a pretty common thing people are doing. They have, and maybe we should just mention too, synthetic versus bioidentical hormones.
1: Um. It's interesting because in, in my residency training, you know, we weren't taught a lot of non-pharmacologic options. Um, as much as here, take this pill. Um, we're going to give you back what your body's missing. I said that phrase a thousand times in my practice because that's what I was taught. Um, you know, HRT definitely has a role for bone density. It has a role for hot flashes um, and some of the motor, you know, the vascular motor symptoms associated with menopause. But when we specifically look at inflammation levels, the um, HRT replacement, you don't see that decrease. And so that's what I just found fascinating. And the only thing that seemed to help was nutritional changes with lowering the inflammatory levels.
0: Okay. So let's talk about nutrition. You know, what specifically changes do you mean? Like what does an anti-inflammatory approach to nutrition look like at this oh, stage as opposed to other stages of life, um, for so example?
1: Our youth allows us to get away with a lot. Um you know, our cells are more resilient. They're they're more plastic. They they can kind of take the bumps and bruises. But, you know, as we start really hitting the aging process hard, they, you just can't feed yourself those things anymore um, and not expect to have some detriment. So specifically in, in Galveston diet, when we talk about an anti-inflammatory approach, it's too prompt. It's Eliminating the things that we know cause general inflammation for everyone and that and it's pretty common sense things now it is things that are you know uh, simple sugars things that are processed um, meaning that the um, for example all cereals and grains are not necessarily bad but when you strip the wheat germ and the bran off you're taking away the fiber and the nutrients and the minerals and you're just leaving sugar behind so when you look at artificial you know foods that are optimized by the food industry and they've had added chemicals um to make them prettier to make them smell better to make them taste stronger you know have the taste pop on the tongue um all added with things that we were never meant to eat as as human beings anyway um those cause tremendous levels of inflammation so that's the first one let's get rid of the things that we know we shouldn't be eating okay because they cause inflammation and there's multiple studies documenting all this then let's start adding in things that are rich in anti-inflammatory components and antioxidants. So, again kind of a no brainer but people need to be told fruits vegetables eating the rainbow eating things that are high in fiber eating things that are high in polyunsaturated fatty acids specifically omega 3 um on the flip side omega 6 in abundance which is what most Americans have way too high omega 6 in their diet is highly inflammatory as well so in gallston diet we really break down those components talk about it and then give people kind of a framework of here are good things to eat and here are things you know I, I hate to say you have to avoid everything except poison, um, but here are things you can eat a lot of, as much as you want of, and just fill you know fill your body with this. And here are things you can have very very occasionally.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that semi balanced approach to it, um, because I think part of the un like undiscussed side effect of all of this is that people end up with a really poor food relationship right they're kind of like yo yo dieting essentially because they're so frustrated that what they were doing isn't working anymore and why Mm -hmm. the heck isn't it working so i'm going to try all these things and like before you know it you've gone into this spiral or vortex as you call it and it's like just it's not healthy in all the ways right and it's just
1: not healthy for our brain either and, you know, in Galveston, I, I call Galveston Diet Galveston just for ease, but we do a lot of, you know, we have some mind work there as well as to forgive yourself and, um, every day's a new day and starting fresh. And, you know, when you get a flat tire, don't, my favorite is when you get a flat tire, don't slash the other three. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay. Just start over tomorrow. It's fine. You have the rest of your life to figure this out.
0: Yeah. I love that. I'm an analogy fan. I like that one. I'll be adding that to my library of analogies. Um, so you mentioned that this, that menopause really is this perfect storm of aging, you know, the menopausal hormone swings and then fat cells that form around the the midsection become the endocrine organ. About aging cells, are we talking about mitochondrial function in the cells? Um, and sometimes we use, so I want to talk about that and then concerns about like ensuring we're getting enough nutrients into the cells.
1: So the mitochondria serve as a great marker for aging. Um, we inherit them all from our mother and they're very, it's a very specific um, organelle, you know, in the cells that we have. And um, it is what scientists use to kind of track the aging process. There's, it's a very long biochemical, you know, process to understand, but um, they're easy to measure and they seem to be a hallmark of aging, Mm -hmm. the function of the mitochondria. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like you had said earlier you got into research, and the research was not as robust as you wanted it to be, especially for the age group you were working with. Sounds like you have a your future role is to mentor someone to do research on menopausal women for the um, for the approaches that you're using. Is that something you've thought
1: about? That is definitely something I have thought long and hard about. Um, It's on the radar probably in the next five years is to get back into academics. Um, I've taken a break from clinical practice. From One, I am 51 years old, and getting up at 3 in the morning on a nightly basis to deliver babies is beautiful, but it is hard. Mm. And I have two teenage daughters who need me and a husband who works overseas. So part of my success with the Galveston Diet allowed me to back off you know, financially back off from clinical practice and just focus on this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I get both girls in college, I'll have a little more free time to get back into academics and get some studies, some real studies going.
0: Yeah. I've always had a lot of empathy for OBs because it's like <laughs> a gift, but they really do have the worst call schedule ever, depending on how they serve their clients, having babies at all different times. I mean, if, if you want to be catching your own babies.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I did that forever and then till I just couldn't, I still practice. I work, um, four shifts a month as a hospitalist. So I go in for 24 hours, do everything that needs to be done and then I go home.
0: Yeah. It's a good experience to kind of jump back into what's really bothering or what's really kind of happening. Mm -hmm. So you've given us a really, I think, I think you've given us a really practical approach to dealing with something that is so common, but doesn't have to be the norm. What if there's a woman listening to this today that says, Man, thank you for boiling that down for me. Thank you for helping me think I'm not crazy and for dispelling that I don't have to count uh, all these calories and exercise more and eat less. What do you want to say to that woman if she could start one thing today to move her in the right direction?
1: I would tell her to look at intermittent fasting. It's free. It's easy. It is daunting to think about, but it actually of all the component, we have three components of Galveston diet. It is the one that seems the most daunting, but it is the one that people take to the easiest, enjoy the most and feel like they've conquered something. And it, you really start seeing the scale start moving when you start intermittent fasting.
0: Cool. So Dr. Haver, where can people find you online?
1: So we have our website, which is galvestondiet.com that has, we have a free meal plan that you can download. Um, full of good stuff. There's, I have a blog there, lots of great information. It will also take you, if you want to learn more about the Galveston diet signature program, which is an all online course, it's $49 one time fee. Um, there's no subscription with the online course. Um, it's a self study program. I go through all the components of the plan. There's five weeks of meal plans and, um, there's a 30 day money back guarantee.
0: Cool. Well, Dr. Haver, thanks for coming on today and sharing your story, which is the story of so many others out there that needed to hear it.
1: All right.